Okay, good evening and welcome to the November 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Animal Commission. My name is Michelangelo Torres and I'm your commission chairperson. I want to apologize for the slight delay in starting. We had a few technical difficulties. Um, before I continue with my usual introduction, I do want to announce that animal, the San Francisco Animal Care and Control will not be presenting at tonight's meeting. SFACC will instead present at our February 2023 meeting. Um, I'm sorry, our February 2024 meeting, excuse me. At our February meeting, SFACC will present the quarterly report for July through September 2023 and October through December 2023. Uh, we also hope to continue the discussions around live animal, uh, local live animal market cruelty complaints and follow up on the recommendations that were approved by the commission last March. So again, the reporting from animal care and control the agenda item has been postponed and I apologize for any inconvenience that this change in the agenda causes for anyone. We are holding our meeting at City Hall tonight. Members of the public are invited to attend our meetings in person or remotely. For those of you who are interested in how our commission works or serving on this commission, please access our website at sf.gov forward slash animal commission. Agendas, minutes, any supporting documents, links to our social media accounts and videos of our past meetings can also be found on our website. Video of this evening's meeting will be available on our website by tomorrow afternoon. Members of the public who wish to provide a comment during the meeting can call 415-655-0003 and use access code 2630-509-9012. Then when prompted for a webinar ID or password, please enter 1111. After receiving access, please hit star three on your phone, which will raise your hand to be called for public comment. When it is your turn to speak, you will be prompted to hit star six to unmute yourself. Otherwise, we will unmute you from our end. Please make your comments in accordance with the agenda. Uh, Commissioner Tobin, um, can you please take roll? Sure. Um, when I call your name, say present. Chairperson Torres. Present. Uh, Vice Chair Ozenoy is on her way. Uh, Commissioner Fagundes. Present. Commissioner Garfinkel. Present. Present. Commissioner Reed. Present. Um, Commissioner Van Horn has an excused absence and absence, and I am Commissioner Tobin and I am here. Um, Deputy Director Corso, as uh, Chairperson Torres mentioned, will be here in February. Um, Christopher Campbell is not present from SF Rec and Park. George Hahn of the Department of Public Health is not here, nor is Greg Sutherland from SF um, police department. Okay, great. Uh, moving on um, to general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission with comments on items within the commission's jurisdiction. Please note that the Raptors are the solution and commission governance agenda items have their own public comment periods. So please wait for those public comment periods if you wish to make a comment on those items. In addition to the in-person public comment, the commission will hear up to 20 minutes of remote public comment on each business item in the order that com commenters add themselves to the speaker's queue. Please be aware that because of the, excuse me, please be aware that because of the 20 minute time limit, it is possible that not every person in the speaker's queue will have an opportunity to provide remote public comments. Members of the public who wish to remote, to make a remote comment should hit star three on their phone now to be added to the speaker's queue. When it is your turn to speak, you will be prompted by the system to hit star six in order to unmute yourself. If you are not prompted, we will unmute you from our end. 
You will then have two minutes to make a comment. Please know that after your two minutes have passed, your phone line will be muted and we will go on to the next caller. Please be aware that if we have a large number of people wishing uh, to provide in-person public comment, we may adjust the time allowed to only one minute per comment. This is done for timing purposes and to allow as many people as possible to easily provide comments. If there is a need to make this change, it will be announced before the first speaker. Written public comments can also be sent to the commission via email to michaelangelo.torres at sfdph.org. If you submit a written public comment, please be sure to write public comment in the message subject line. Written public comments will be acknowledged during the meeting and will also be shared on the meeting's agenda page on our website. For reasons of timing, written public comments need to be received by 5.30 the day before our meeting, which would be the Wednesday before our meeting. Uh, before we begin public comment, I do need to make an announcement concerning remote public comments. As many may be aware, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors recently voted to discontinue remote public comment by the public at meetings of the board and its committees, except as legally required to enable people with disabilities to participate in such meetings. This amendment to the board's rule of orders can be found in the Board of Supervisors file number 231020. Mayor Breed has since instructed that all commissions should also adopt the Board of Supervisors new rule and also discontinue remote public comment except when necessary to accommodate a disability. What this means is that the commission will need to discontinue remote public comment going forward. Public comments can still be made in person and also via email or written public comment. But unless there is a change in this decision, this meeting will be the last opportunity to provide remote public comment. I will keep people updated if there are any changes. Okay, so let's open this up for public comment. Do we have anyone in person who would like to make one? Okay, please approach the podium. Good evening, Commissioners. I just wanted to clarify here this handout that I gave of the different literature. I mistakenly, um, in my haste a couple of months ago when we had the live animal market issue, I left out a page of the um, letter I wrote. Unfortunately, I just made the, the missing page. So that's it. It goes with, hopefully you have the letter somewhere. Um, on the back of that page is a letter from Dr. Lexi Endo. She was one of our star witnesses. Uh, back in the 1990s, um, she was um, excellent. She talked about how the disease um, turtles and frogs were being sold. And the next few pictures are very disturbing. Um, they are made by Animals Asia, Asia Foundation, who's a wonderful group. They work on the bare bile farms, um, the tiger issues, as the use of tiger parts used in aphrodisiac. And it shows actual um, live animal markets. And I think this is a Guangdong province that they didn't say. Um, it's very disturbing. You can see all manner of animals. Um, they're overcrowded, no food and water. Um, and also you can see that they're, um, they, the feces are um, ending up on the animals below them. So that's a problem. And also when they use hoses and they aerosol, create aerosols, which also create problems. Um, they're very disturbing pictures. This cat here is a red deuce girl cat work and we can all relate to how awful that is. And so anyway, and also there's some inspection reports from both Animal Care and Control 
and also the um, California Department of Food and Agriculture. They're just random reports, but they state how, um, you know, like a monitor lizard or um, uh, what was it, uh, was being sold in market for dragon meat. And some of these uh, reports are from a while back, but nevertheless, the past is prologue. And um, they're all current. Nothing changes in the live animal markets. So that's can I ask you a question, please? So this is, I remember when you did provide this documentation a couple meetings ago, um, and there were, it looked like there were some pages removed. So this basically goes along with that other document, right? It, it does. It's the missing page. Yeah, I was just in haste. Okay, no worries. I'll go ahead and post it on our website then Great. with that, okay? Thank you, very Thank you so much for your comment. Okay, uh, looking, it doesn't look like there are any other in-person comments, so let's open up to remote comments. Let me see if there is anyone in the queue. Okay, currently we do not have anyone in the queue waiting to make a remote public comment, so we can close public comment. Thank you so much. Okay, now moving on to approval of draft minutes from the October 2023 meeting. The draft minutes document for our October meeting was distributed to commissioners earlier this week, and I believe everyone has had a chance to review them. Are there any questions, comments, or corrections to the draft minutes before voting? Okay, seeing none, when I call your name, please state yes if you're in favor of approving the minutes or no if you're not in favor. Uh, Commissioner Fergandes? Yes. Commissioner uh, Garfinkel? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Ozone? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Reed? Yes. And Commissioner Tobin? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, thank you. The October meeting minutes are approved. Uh, moving on to commissioners and chairperson reports. Commissioner, commissioners' reports regarding recent activity in the community involving animal issues that have been discussed by the commission in the past. Are there any um, reports to share? Okay, uh, seeing none, let's move on to um, new business. Uh, preserving ecosystem harmony, a case study in rat birth control for sustainable pest management, safeguarding non-target pets, wildlife, and children. Uh, Tanya Stevens from Raptors Are the Solutions, um, Washington State Coordinator. She's Raptors Are the Solutions, Washington State Coordinator. She uh, is, going, is with us today. She's going to present on the dangers of toxic rodicides and Raptors Are the Solutions Queen Anne study. Uh, Commissioner Garfinkel, when, uh, please feel free to introduce this agenda item when you are ready. Oh, sure. Well, I don't want to take too much of um, Tanya's thunder, but Tanya um, did a really great pilot program in Seattle, and Raptors Are the Solution is an organization that has pioneered a ton of policy changes in California regarding anticoagulant rodenticides, or rat poison. Um, so Stevens will present her work after seeing um, tons of bait boxes in her own neighborhood, which is something I think a lot of us can re relate to here in San Francisco. So um, I think we'll learn a lot and hopefully get some great actionable insights. Take it away, Tanya. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michaela. I appreciate you, um, commissioners, for having us here today to talk about this important matter that impacts um, wildlife, pets, and children too, believe it or not. Um, so um, without further ado, I'm going to share my screen. And I did want to just point out in case um, people are not aware, 
the state of California is leading the pack um, in terms of uh, protecting wildlife when it comes to to, to rat poison, um, anticoagulant rodenticide uh, rat poison, which is the blood thinners. And that is the poison of choice that most, um, most uh, oh, sorry, pest control companies use. And in Washington, in California, you guys can no longer, um, that is, those can no longer be used. So you have a different situation with the black bait stations that you have you should not have um, rodenticides except for a few um, exceptions, but there still remains the question, how do we manage rats? So I think it's it's certainly a, a, a topic that makes sense um, for us to talk about and share. And do you see my screen now? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. So. Um, as Michaela said, I am the Washington State Director for uh, Raptors Are the Solution, and I became involved with the nonprofit after I uh, took a class in Raptors in Flight from my Seattle Audubon chapter, and I just um, fell in love with Raptors, and I heard about this problem impacting them, and I wanted to get involved with something. And um, once I learned that it's actually moving through the entire food chain, I was hooked. And I've been working on this issue for about three years. We're trying to follow the lead of California. You guys are uh, light years ahead of us and we're looking forward to um, catching up. Uh, so Raptors Are The Solution is a nonprofit organization. Our uh, founder, Lisa Owens-Viani, um, uh, started this organization out in Berkeley, and so it is a local organization. Um, we really aim to try to educate people about the ecological role of raptors. Um, raptors are natural predators for rats. The problem is we have too many humans with too much food, too much shelter, and so the raptors can't really keep up. And plus, we're, we're killing them with the uh, rat poison because when a rat eats this poison that was used to be in the black bait stations, um, they would kind of uh, wander around for 10 days while they die, um, basically bleed to death internally, and then they would um, be easy targets for the predators, and then that poison gets passed on to the predators. Um, what you have had the last few years since the first um, short-term or first temporary moratorium on the rodenticides is that a lot of the pest control companies then just moved to the what's called first generation, which was not in the first policy change. So that just got added to the um, California Ecosystems Protection Act. And starting January 1st, those lesser um, lesser potent uh, blood thinning rat poisons will also be out of the regular market. But um, this is what we're doing. We're working for policy change. We educate, um, our website has a ton of free outreach materials, which I'll have on some of the slides coming forward. And uh, we advocate for policy change and to help protect the wildlife and the pets and the kids. We are an aggregator of science. We might have one of the best lists of all the current and past science on this topic. They've been studying, scientists have been studying this since the 70s. This is a global problem and we have almost all of the studies on our website. So you can um, geek out and, and learn more about the science there. And if you're ever talking to someone, you're trying to um, educate about this and they don't believe you, just go to our website and look under the science page and you'll find all the information you need to convince them. 
Um, like I told you, we did co-lead uh, two California moratoriums on the air poisons, and they are being reevaluated right now by the Department of Pesticides. I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, a lot of people don't realize that those rat poisons move up the food chain. They impact everything from an earthworm to a mountain lion. And this picture doesn't even show all of the, the species. Um, I had a hard time uploading one of our files um, with that has a really uh, um, succinct, uh, more uh, detailed graphic. But anyway, um, this gives you an idea. And the way it impacts an earthworm, I like to tell this story because people don't realize this. The rats actually don't like to eat that eat the bait inside the black box station. They pull the bait out of the station. And if it goes onto the soil, there have been studies in Germany where earthworms that move around the soil outside that was um, where the poison had been also become poison. So that is impacting songbirds and a lot of other uh, species. So um, we're trying to get it out of the environment because it's not necessary. And uh, you'll see why in a few minutes. <laughs> um, these are just, uh, I wanted to share this with you guys because these are some really great graphics that um, you can download and print out or are, um, you can send in an email. We have uh, batches of these already printed out. We could send out. If you know anyone who has a problem with rats and would like to get some tips on how to manage them with sanitation and exclusion, these are some really great resources, again, free to anyone um, on our website. And um, yes, yeah, so there's the there's the trail for that. And we do have, um, yeah, all of those are available. So I just wanted to let you know that. Um, because actually managing the attractants and not having the attractants there, mm -hmm. and then keeping the, um, the holes patched all the entryways for the rats really takes care of a lot of the problems. So let's talk about rat poison versus other options. So when I became involved with Raptors Are the Solution, I told Lisa, I want to find efficacy data on the poison-free alternatives because if we're going to be trying to launch a campaign, I want to be able to su suggest something that we know works. And so I started calling up the R&D offices, the um, marketing departments, and I could find very little efficacy data, which was frustrating. But I finally got introduced by Lisa to the inventor of rat birth control, which is a pretty new concept, but it's gaining ground and it's really exciting. Um, Dr. Loretta Mayer is the inventor of this and she was working in the pharmaceutical industry and trying to find a cure for uh, heart disease in postmenopausal women. And when she noticed that what she was using to test um, on her laboratory rats that it was causing them to become infertile, she uh, had the great idea to use that technology for something greater in the world, which was to help manage invasive species that are, um, you know, become too abundant for humans to live around in a way that is not um in a way that is humane without so no culling so dr mayer left the pharmaceutical company and launched a, a company to uh, use this technology to help um, save more animals and so that is where this all started and Rat birth control is actually more effective than uh, poison. So this red line here in the graph is the what happens um, when you treat a colony of rats with poison. 
after the third generation here, um, they notice that their friends are eating from their uh, from the bait stations and that they are dying, and so they stop going in. And then that that generation or that group from that um, that group of generation of rats from that colony just rebounds like this. And so, and then this black line here is rat birth control. As long as it continues to be used, just like human birth control, it will maintain the population of the rats. It's highly effective and it's a better solution. And you'll see, this is why it's such a critical, um, this is why it's such an amazing alternative. It's a win-win situation. With the poison, like I said, you've got the, um, you're talking about you know the different groups and the of the and the generations look at this two fertile rats leads to 15,000 descendants in one year and that is why you cannot manage rats with this other um this other model with the poison they it just rebounds and it doesn't work so and it also creates a lot of other problems like um leptosis um that gets passed along to us. So um, here's how rat birth control works. Uh, the rodents will eat the attractant. Traditionally, it's been um, liquid. That's what Dr. Mayer invented, but it's moving into other form factors, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, after the rat eats uh, two or three doses or drinks it, um, then they uh, the reproduction is stopped. Uh, there are, the active ingredients are immediate are metabolized very quickly within minutes, so it does not get passed on to any predators that eat that rat, and it does not impact our water or, or our soil. Um, whereas with the poison, that impacts, like you saw earlier, a bunch of different a lot of different species in the food web, and so. When um, I had started volunteering with Lisa owens Viani at Raptors of the Solution, when we had a rare snowy owl um, come to my neighborhood, and I knew that owls eat a lot of mice and rats, and so I became concerned about what she would be eating while she was in my neighborhood. She ended up staying for eight months, uh, sorry, five months. And um, so I went around and I did a, um, I did a, a, a I took note of, I counted all of the bait stations of the poison in my neighborhood. Um, in the business district behind the alleyways of like all the restaurants, the gyms, the, um, you know, the grocery stores, all of that. And I counted 70 bait stations. Now I will tell you, before she left, the Urban Raptor Conservancy here in Seattle did test her pellets and she had rodenticides in them. You can, you can get that data from the bones. Um, so that was kind of sad. She left here with the pellets, but she was the genesis for this pilot study that I came up with. I noticed that my Safeway grocery store was going to be demolished, and we know that most cities um, require a demolition permit for um, um, to be. Uh, you have to have a demolition permit in order to dig a hole for a construction project, and almost all cities in the U.S require this because rats burrow um they use that as a transportation as like transportation lanes they don't actually live in them but they um they use them and so oftentimes when the when the ground gets dug the rats will scurry and 
it usually takes away their habitat and so then it's what's called the rat migration and it can be very problematic we had a situation here in seattle where a commercial builder uh demoed a building and then the rats from that building made their way up to some law library and ate like shelves and shelves and shelves of books and the construction company had to pay for the law library to get new books. Um, so it is a real problem. And usually you're, you have to put out poison. The cities want the um, developers to put out poisons to make sure that the rat population is down before they do the dig. Well, it usually doesn't work because they the way a lot of them have it is that you put the poison out and then two weeks later, or sorry, yeah, you put the poison out like a month and it it doesn't really even manage the population that much and so one of the things we need to do as cities is move that timing back um to be a longer treatment of of areas before we dig and in our case um and with the case of rat birth control really three or four months gives you a really um significant reduction so for we were um so what we did is we um we knew we had this safeway grocery store that was going to be demolished and so I pulled together a team. I got Dr. Loretta Mayer and um, our city's only eco-friendly pest control company. <laughs> and they agreed to pilot this new product um, to try it out because we wanted to prove that you could manage a colony of rats prior to demolition with a poison-free option. And um, so we put all these bait stations out around the Safeway property and not knowing this again was a pilot study so we were just testing this out to see what would happen and it turned out the rats only went to the bait stations that had um, habitat there's greenery near all these with the circles and then the rest of this is all concrete so um, many more studies have been done using contrapest um, the product the rat birth control product um, where it's just concrete. So I wouldn't say that that's always how it works out, but for our site, it did. And we achieved a 91% reduction of the rat population by the demolition time. Um, actually, we, were, we achieved that at month six and uh, it stayed that way until probably, uh, I actually, we don't know uh, once they started construction, we're not sure how long it stayed that way, but I know I checked in with the businesses across the street and nobody had had a winter infestation of rats at the restaurants and the pet food store like they normally do. So I think it probably lasted at least about six months. And our contractor for the Safeway project told me that he's never dem demolished an, an old grocery store that did not have a single rat in it. So this stuff is really super effective and we are very excited about it because it's the first poison-free demo permit um, rat abatement in the country. But it was at the beginning of COVID and so we didn't get very much attention on it. But we're trying to uh, share it with more and more people and I continue, I plan to continue um, working on the business district of my Queen Anne neighborhood up here to get everybody flipped over to rat birth control and put together a community playbook for that. So that is, um, I think I talked about this. Oh, but I will just say that we did have um, some homeless people living on the site. And so there was a lot of food and um, all of that around. So that was challenging. Um, 
this is just a graph that shows, so you can see it takes a little bit longer with rat birth control. Um, but once we got to the uh, four month mark, we were able to, um, I think we were down 53%. And by the six month mark, we are down to 91%. So um, this stuff really works. And I think you can see there with the red line, um, Dr. Mayer put this together. This is what would typically happen with the populations for uh, using rat birth control. I'm sorry, anticoagulant or denticides. So um, I just wanted to point out how this methodology was all developed. Um, the LA, Los Angeles um, Best Friends Animal uh, Shelter, that is where a very scientific study was, um, was rolled out and there's a peer reviewed uh, published study of this now. And basically they set up a protocol um, where they used cameras and uh, they measured uh, consumption of the product, use the, ca the cameras to estimate the rodent population. So we use that same um, algorithm with our less scientific uh, demonstration case study in Queen Anne. So I just wanted to leave you guys with a few ideas of ways that you could think about um, uh, rat poison in the city of San Francisco, you know, to help us further um, show other cities that it can be done. Um, there's, um, you could try to ask City Hall to require uh, pest control operators to offer poison-free options for um, rat management when they submit their bids. You could also try to champion uh, using rat birth control for um, demolition permits instead of, I'm not sure what your, what the city of San Francisco is using, probably first generation, anticoagulant redensifies, but they won't be able to use that for very long, I don't think, unless that was um, something that they had to agree to um, as an exception. Um, you could consider also eventually getting some animal-proof um, waste bins. That is super helpful. And then, of course, leverage us because we have a lot of um, outreach materials and a lot of knowledge and access to experts, and we would love to help. So. Um, I did just want to close out with um, sharing this information. So there are new rat birth control products coming online. The one that we used, and that's the most widely used one right now, is a liquid from a company called Tenestech, and um, it's called ContraPest. And that's the, that's the product that Dr. Mayer invented. And now that is being used um, through a company on the West Coast called Primal Rat Control, and they developed another bait station that is really great for gardens and good for DIYers. And um, Dr. Mayer now has a, another product that she is developing that is very close to having its patent approved, and these are pellets. And the cool thing about it is that they're easier to uh, use and less expensive. And so um, that will be coming out very, very soon. And I did want to let you know that we have, um, for that one, for the good bites, there's someone in California using those. Uh, who is it? Um, oh, Project Coyote in Petaluma, California. They're using that. And then um, that those pellets are also being used in Boston and um, starting discussions in New York City. So, um, and then there are some other solid uh, bait products that are gonna be coming online soon. So I just wanted you to know about that in case you do start talking to pest control operators, 
um, to know that there are there are products that are coming out that are going to be easier to use. And I just also wanted to make point out that um, if people there in California see that there are the bad poisons being used in those black bait stations, you should, um, for San Francisco, take a picture of the label, note the location, and call your agricultural commissioner, who is Cree Morgan, and there's his he, uh, their phone number. And here's all of our contact info. So um, yeah, we're just trying to make sure that everybody is adhering to the new the new laws and uh, not using uh, brodificum, um, bromodialone, diphasinone, um, <laughs> all the dyes. But um, we do have a list of the poisons on our website that you can go and see just in case you have um, in case you want to know, uh, to see, to check against the label. So um, that's about all I had. I'm um, I'm interested in taking any questions. If anyone has any, I uh, tried to squeeze it all in in 15 or so minutes. <laughs> so that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you very much for the presentation. It was very informative. Um, I did have a couple questions um, before we open it up to um, other questions from the commissioners and also um, public comment. But um, we had talked, you know, during, um, you know, prior to the presentation about um, our uh, rec and park department. And yes. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. I actually put out a message to our representative, but didn't hear back from him in time for the meeting. But I also believe he, I, I got a, a uh, message back saying that he was out of the office, but I don't remember right now how long he was, but so I didn't get a response back from him. But if you can kind of cover what you know so far and we'll have to follow up with him at some point. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to, I, I, for, I cannot believe I forgot to <laughs> include that, but um, yeah, so the Parks and Rec Department uh, um, is using that and I did try to contact Sinestec to find out if they could give us an update I don't have a lot of information. I just know that they were um, using the uh, the contrapest. I understand they were using it in the boroughs, um, but um, I should have had that. But they, but but Lisa Owens Viani, our executive director, believes that they are um, they are still using it. So we want to find out. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Yes, we'll definitely look into it. And when um, our representative returns, we can follow up with him. Um, and also, thank you so much for um, providing the, um, the presentation to us. Um, just so everyone knows, um, after this meeting, I will go ahead and share it on our website. So, you know, people have access to it. Okay, and also the recording of this will be available tomorrow on our website as well. Okay, so I'd like to open it up to any questions from the commissioners. Does anyone have any questions? More of a statement, okay, um, Commissioner Ozenoy, please. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I just wanted to tell you that uh, Commissioner Tobin and I spoke to Parks and Rec a couple of months ago, and we had to tell them about the fact that they were using contrapest because they were completely unaware that this was happening. Um, I think uh, you know the last year in 2022. There was like a splashy, uh, a news story and like a San Francisco Chronicle article about the fact that, you know, contrapists had been in use um, since 2019, but now Rex and Park was, you know, piloting this program um, in, in certain city parks. But I, based on 
based on my experience speaking with Commissioner Tobin and some um, and uh, Christopher Campbell from Rexon Park and also some of their integrated pest management guys, they have no idea that that's happening. Um, so I think that that would be something we could follow up on for sure. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and I learned about it from Senestec, which is the manufacturer of the product. I, They had sent me a, a case study about it and I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I contacted Lisa. I was like, oh, did you know this was happening? It would be good to know. Um, but yeah, that's where I got my information. So I'm not sure. Yeah, we definitely can follow up on that. I mean, I think there's a lot of people working in that department. So it's possible that some people just might not know what's what's going on. But this was in right. the context of um, a discussion about them using glue traps. So um, yeah. Yep. They were yeah, piloting, for sure. They were piloting the use of uh, the rat birth control. I think it was rat birth control. It wasn't the um, pigeon. Yeah. yeah. It, was the, it, was, it was contrapest. But there's, there are other players in the city, and you, you, you did speak to that. So um, Public Utilities Commission, the um, building department, is really interesting to find out what they're using in advance of a demolition of a construction site. So all of those things are really um, interesting, and I'd like to get, um, this will snowball, of course, when we start talking to the integrated pest management team at Rec and Park, they'll be able to tell us who else is using these products and, and who we might get in contact with. But thank you for pointing those out. That was really important. Thank you. You're yes. welcome. Thank, thank you for you. listening. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say thank you, um, Commissioners Hosanoi and Tobin, for your, um, for your follow-up comments. Um, any other comments from commissioners? Okay, and I'm sorry, Commissioner Ozen. Sorry, I had another one. Um, I uh, I volunteer at an organization that is also using contrapests, and um, the experience there is that the rats do not want to take the bait um, because they have other food sources. Uh, is that something that is a known fact, or you know, I know that it's it's supposed to be extremely delicious, but they're just not. Not going in. <laughs> yeah. Do you know um, what are the other food sources? So basically, this um, there's a in fact like a demolition project about two or three blocks away, and the entire neighborhood now is flooded with rats, and so they can you know there's all kinds of different you know seeds and whatever. There's probably people's trash around, so that's it's been a very difficult um, yeah it's been very difficult to get them to uh, go into the contrapest box yeah i wonder if they're placed in the right if they're in the right locations that is kind of a big deal um the placement needs to be right and they should be placed along the like the travel route of of rats kind of take the if you they they use the same route to to travel along the edges of buildings and stuff like that and those are good places to put them um, if there's any, if there's any greenery like ivy or anything like that, that's a great place to put them. I have a hunch that, um, it's, they're not probably placed in the right location. And I wonder if the bait is being refilled every month so that, you know, it doesn't go rotten. Those are, those are 
That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> uh, any other comments or questions? Yes, Commissioner Reed. Actually, a couple. Unfortunately, I am doing a personal study on the mouse version, contraceptol. And all I, right. <laughs> which goes into the idea of us trying to get rid of use of glue traps in San Francisco. And I have found that I have to, re I have to refill them every day. It's starting to finally slow down a little in a few locations, but mice in San Francisco with construction projects, I think may be more of a problem than rats because they get it, they're the ones that go into people's houses and then start making nests in people's houses. But I'm, like I say, I'm using it, but I'm refilling it every day. In fact, I have found that if, if I put covered snap traps next to the bait stations, once they've eaten all the stuff in there, they've started going to the rat traps. I've actually found that a, all I have to do is put a, a snap trap next to the stations, and I've been getting catching more mice than I was catching before. And that's just with peanut butter. But that version is a powder. I don't know what it's mixed with. Yeah, and is that, is, isn't it um, freeform or did they give you a station to put that in? They give, they give us a plastic station. Oh, they with do, a, okay. With a cup that's sort of like what you would get pills in. If, some, if you were taking pills at a facility, they'd give you a small cup about that size. Is, mm -hmm. is really what holds the bait. And how long have you been using that? I think it's about three months now. I just okay. ordered a, another three-month refill. Okay. And so, yeah, I remember asking Dr. Mayer about that product. Um, I watched a YouTube video where they were promoting just putting it in a free-form pile, which concerned me because it seems like any animal could go eat it. Um, I do know that the new the new solids that are coming out also uh, work with mice. And so um, I can be sure to let uh, uh, the commissioners let you guys know when those new ones come out, you might want to try it. It would be interesting to see. Every, refilling every day sounds like a lot. <laughs> it sounds expensive. It's, it's not <laughs> cheap, yes. <laughs> But I need to look into contraceptal more. Um, I know at one point that did come across our radar, but um, we weren't, we didn't get a lot of um, support for it. So we didn't, we didn't research it very much, but if I can see that there's a, a need and a desire to find alternatives. So we should look into that a little bit more and I can, I can follow back up with you. Well, I, I can say, there was another method online for getting rid of mice, which I tried, which was cornbread mix mixed with baking soda, which I wasn't sure about because how it killed them made me a little nervous. But I'm wondering if maybe this powder might be mixed with something. They may be mixing the contraceptol with something like cornbread mix, because it looks almost exactly the same as when I mixed baking soda and cornbread mix. And that may be why the mice like it so much. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, you're saying that they, somebody was saying that they avoid it. It sounds like, it, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm wondering is if 
the formulation could be changed to something that the rats like better. No, I think that I think the contrapest with the with the rats not going into that base station. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're, you're right. It could be that there is too much garbage available. <laughs> but the thing about the the thing about the contrapest is that um, rats do need to drink a lot of liquid uh, to survive, and it is a liquid, so that that should be appealing for that reason. But I, yeah, I wish. Um, I wish someone could help you make sure that the the stations are in the right place. Like I say, they're eating it. As far as I'm concerned, they're eating it. So they, it, I, I couldn't see any reason to change this location for me. But Oh, yeah. I, I guess I was thinking about the other location yeah. where they weren't um, right. taking the bait. But Okay. Well, thank you for your comment. Um, any other Actually, comments? I had one other Okay. The only other question I had was I actually emailed the contraceptive people to find out whether or not they had any, if they could link me to any studies on whether any other rodents are affected by it and got no response. Has there been studies done as far as, I mean, I hate to see, I hate to find out we were also uh, doing birth control on groundhogs and moles and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it depends on the size of the, first of all, the size of the um, of the bait station. I don't know what this bait station is for contraceptive. I can tell you that, um, I can tell you that for, um, for contrapest, there have been a lot of studies and um, I think there's one kind of, um, native rat that can that that people don't want to be impacting but i think it's um because of how it's in the bait station i don't think that it's a pro it's a problem um they've done a lot of studies on different uh animals and birds and there's no problem with those okay so they have done or, studies on that thank you or contrapest i don't know about contraceptive i assume it's fairly similar but yeah I don't know. And I was really more worried about the contrapest because it's in the outdoors, whereas the, the mouse version is mostly going to be used indoors. Yeah. No. I I think. Um, and the other thing is for 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 it being outdoors. I mean, if there was something small enough to get in there to the inside the bait station, um, it wouldn't remain infertile unless it kept going back to the bait station. Because it, it um, well, I take that back. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the, 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 for the rat, so the, if the rat eat, um, takes two doses of the contrapest, it becomes infertile for um, seven to eight months, and it lives eight to 12 months. So that's the life cycle of that. Okay, thank you. Any other comments from the commissioners? Okay, uh, seeing none, uh, let's open it up to public comment. Is there anyone? Okay, you can approach the podium. Thank you. Okay, thank you 
concerns here. Um, so one thing, stores like Safeway, we were talking about Safeway, and Walgreens still sell, um, you know, decon and things like that for the home person. We're talking mainly about pest control operators. Um, that's the problem. And also, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, there is this little animal called the salt marsh harvest mouse which is an endangered species, which is a local San Francisco, well, you're not from San Francisco, but maybe you're not familiar with them. Um, I think we need a sea change as far as uh, the way we regard rodents, because, for example, hamsters, marmots, woodchucks, chipmunks, flying squirrels, gophers, um, lemmings, voles, muskrats, there's, the order rodentia is tremendous, and we have to realize that these are important scavengers. And I think you made a very important comment that you said, there's too many people and too much garbage, so that's the problem is, like, what, 7 billion people is probably 8 billion by now. So, also, yeah. just one last thing. Um, are you, well, again, this is the Farallon Islands. There was a major problem with the m mice. Well, they were, they had no predators, and they were eating these stormy, I guess it was the stormy petrel birds, uh, and so... Anyway, how did they resolve that? And I, I, they were going to drop pelts from the sky, and that was, I think, a horrible idea. I think it's inhumane, and I'm not going to be an apologist for, you know, rats suffering and mice suffering as well. So how did they resolve that, and what's your thought on that? It's not resolved, and they, um, they are using brodificum there, which is a... Um, which is a, a, the blood, one of the blood thinning rodenticides in the, um, in the, in the, the bill that was the bills that were passed about not using rodenticides that um, they had to put an exception in there for islands. So islands, agriculture, there's several things that had its exceptions. So they are using it, um, but people are trying to get them to switch to something else. And Dr. Loretta Mayer has um, testified 22 times on this topic, trying to keep them from using the um, the the blood thinning rodenticides, but it's just not. That's they just keep using it, and I'm I don't really um, I don't know what the you know argument against. Um, I think people are just worried about um, losing the endangered species. I think, yeah, that's like the largest um, um, habitat for the gull, the gray, the gray gull or something. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, and as a representative of Raptors on the Solution, I really can't share my opinion. <laughs> Um, I know that my, uh, executive director has been following it and we have sent in, um, you know, letters and such. There's a whole different coalition that's, um, leading the charge on that. And then how about decon in the stores? Well, that's something that is, um, yeah, that's also terrible, but... <laughs> We're such a small little nonprofit organization and we can only do so much. Um, you know, funding has kind of dried up since COVID and um, that's something that we, we've been really trying to focus on getting the blood thinning rodenticides uh, out of the marketplace. And that is, has been a, you know, a really big job. So um, yeah, in a perfect world, I think we wouldn't have any, <laughs> 
Um, I will tell you that uh, a pest management expert just came out with some predictions for the next 10 years, and it, it's in a pest management um, magazine, and they said that um, they think rat poisons are going to um, go away. There's going to be other um, more humane uh, products available for use, but I don't know what all they were referring to, but that gives me some hope. Yeah, thank you for your comment, um, and thank you for your insight, um, Tanya. Um, let's see if there are any remote public comments. Okay, so... Uh, okay, members of the public who wish to make a remote public comment on this agenda item should hit star three on their phone to be added to the speaker's queue. Okay, at this time, I do not see any callers who wish to make a comment, so we can close public comments. Okay, I wanna thank you again, Tanya, for coming to us tonight and presenting. It's very, very informative. Um, I look forward to um, working with you, or we look forward to working with you a little bit more in the future, especially as we kind of find out more about what we're doing on our end. And hopefully, you know, you'll be able to provide some additional insight and with your expertise and your compassion so we can do you know, the right thing. Um, do Thank any other you. commissioners, did you have anything you want to say, Commissioner um, Garfinkel? Um, well, I mean, obviously um, I support this initiative and I think um, with AB 1322, I hope I got that right, um, I feel like you know, it is a huge step in the right direction, but there still are over-the-counter um, rodenticides. There still are tons of exceptions. So. Um, I hope that that doesn't make anyone complacent on like the urgency of it. And um, yeah, I'm just very inspired by Tanya. So thank you so much for sharing your insights. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Commissioner um, Garfinkel for arranging this. Okay, great. Okay, so moving on to old business. Um, as I announced earlier in the meeting, San Francisco Animal Care and Control will not be presenting at tonight's meeting and will instead present at our February 2024 meeting. So we will not, be, we will not hear reporting from SFACC this evening. Uh, so moving on to the next um, item under old business, commission governance. Um, the commission will discuss future work plans and vote on commission officers for 2024. Um, so this is, for our newer commissioners, um, this is something that we do uh, generally every year. Just go over any work plans, anything we want to focus. Um, in the past, we have actually written them out. Um, but in this case, because I didn't think to really mention it or, or kind of explain exactly what we do until a couple days ago, I didn't want that. But I was hoping that if anyone does have anything that they'd like to share, uh, any what their work plans are, any thoughts, um, you know, about um, the commission's work and the focus and anything you would like to add or change, right now would be a good opportunity to do so. Uh, this is just an informal discussion. Um, so I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, you know, as far as, you know, anything that comes to mind uh, regarding this, um, this subject. Um, I can go first um, and I can talk about the administrative aspect of things, um, you know, on the commission where I'd like to help. Um, it's an area that I've always, that's always held my interest. Um, so what I'd really like to concentrate on is our website updates, uh, how presenters are decided at meetings, and just overall organization. Um, that's one thing I'm gonna be working um, with um, 
Commissioner Tobin on and also Commissioner Ozenoy and anyone else who would like to assist. Um, I know Commissioner Tobin um, has updated our presentation list, which is great. Uh, that's a tool that we've used before in the past um, to, to help us try and determine um, presenters and topics at future meetings. Um, as you know, we, we have had a number of meetings recently where, you know, um, for scheduling conflicts, uh, you know, the presenters have not been able to appear. Um, you know, we didn't seem to have that problem when we had, when we were taking full advantage of, of Commissioner Tobin's uh, presentation list. So I'm hoping that, you know, using that again will help us. Granted, I know that it's different because, you know, just times could be different, who knows what, um, maybe there's other factors involved, but definitely I know that that presentation tool that um, Commissioner Tobin put together was, was, a, was a big help. So um, we'd like to try and utilize that in the future uh, as far as, you know, trying to determine future presentations. Um, as I've also mentioned too, I want to create a legislative working group um, that, you know, will bring up new subjects and new um, areas of interest for us, areas that we can help. Um, but I also want to um, continue to work and follow up on past commission actions such as um, our SFACC recommendations and our support for the shot color ban. Um, and of course, um, the commission name change and other changes with our ordinance that, um, in which our commission was created. And I want to continue to check in concerning that. Um, and I also want to continue the discussions and move forward with addressing the live animal markets and glue trap ban discussions. Uh, and work of what we learned in this evening's Raptors are the solution presentation as well into some of those future um, discussions, um, presentations, and actions. Um, I guess what I want to do um, is I want to kind of continue working on some of the issues that we've worked on or discussed in the past um, while still keeping an eye towards new ones, but at the same time not letting all the new ones that come up, and we know there's always new issues that come up, uh, not allow me or anyone else to kind of forget the work we're doing as well um, with some of these other issues. Um, so those are my thoughts. Kind of, I know it's kind of a mishmash of my, my but where I'm, where I'm kind of thinking about going in the next year, um, but I'd love to hear anyone else's um, thoughts or what their focus are, any kind of thoughts that they have as far as work plans. So I'll just open it up. Um, anyone want to share their thoughts? Okay, Commissioner Garfinkel. Um, well, definitely on the policy side, I think there's so many cities doing a lot of cool things like Hollywood and the Glue Trap or West Hollywood, um, and I'm sure tons in other states and areas, and I think it's really good to just learn what other cities are doing, states are doing, and how we can use that as kind of a roadmap for our own goals. Um, I'm not sure if this is already a thing, but um, also I think having kind of a little bit more maybe documented um, history of some of the issues we've worked on, I feel like there's a lot of internal knowledge. I know, for example, with the live markets, some commissioners have worked on that. It's not always clear kind of what's been done, what the response has been. So I think for being strategic moving forward, it would just be helpful to have like a more kind of centralized, I guess, resource around that. Very good. Um, yeah, great comments, great um, things to bring up. Um, anyone else? Yes, Commissioner Rosanoy. I'd, I'd love us to um, 
uh, retouch base again with the various supervisors' offices and their aides. We have the old spreadsheet um, from last year, but there's been some changes at the Board of Supervisors. Um, so I think it would be good to kind of reestablish a connection and try to find some willing uh, champions uh, among the Board of Supervisors for our issues because I think that's the way that we're going to push these forward is that we could get a sponsor from within the BOS. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. This is something as well that we did do um, previously. And what this is is basically uh, we look at the districts we live in and we basically are assigned that particular supervisor, you know, to kind of work with, to kind of introduce ourselves. And for the districts in which we don't have any, any of us living in, well, then we'll go ahead and work on those as well, you know. Um, so that's something that would be very helpful. And this is just, it's, it's a good way to get involved with, um, with, you know, to know your community and know your supervisor. And, um, you know, we've also had as well a, a number of times that, you know, supervisor's office have reached out to us concerning certain issues that are happening in their district, um, and you know the fact is that they'll have a face now and a name, to you know to do so. And of course, you know supervisors are really um, welcoming to their constituents in particular. So that's a that's a good idea. So maybe we can work on that, um, Commissioner Rosenoy, to try and set that up and try and figure out where people live and who their um, supervisors are. Yeah, I'll take it a, as an action item to re review the existing documents. If you see if I can make any updates. Um, this is also the commission directory as well, so I'll make sure that everybody has access to it and knows where to find it. Yeah, in fact, that's a good point too. That's another thing as far as administrative. I didn't mention that or forgot to mention it. But um, in addition to websites and all these other things, there are some commission documents um, that you know I need to go ahead and you know just, just a, it's a Google document, but I need to make sure that people have access to it, um, including our directory and some other information. So I'll mm. work on that as well. Okay, anyone else? Um, Commissioner um, Tobin? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to support what Michael had said earlier that we found that putting together that spreadsheet ahead of time where we had a scaffolding of the year in advance and it allowed you to kind of, uh, all the commissioners to add an area that they might be interested in. So everything's fairly balanced in terms of what we present you know, what issues we're presenting, and um, it helps us in in the document collection afterwards, too. And I, I'd like to actually expand that, that worksheet to include other agenda items, whether it's like a report from the working group that's working on legislative issues in the same way that we report what ACC is doing quarterly. Um, it, it could be something like that. And then in addition, um, if there is a topic that's brought up, say for instance, Project Coyote, that um, some way on our website we could have this working plan and any document that has been done or any meeting that we've had, those meeting minutes would be linked directly to previous times that we've done this. And I, that might help us with the structure, it might not, but I find trying to find out when we covered something and and who is a real, it's, it's kind of difficult to do that. The documents are there, they exist, but they're not um, categorized in, in, in a float. Welcome to any kind of ideas that might make that, I know Michael's probably got some great ideas on that as well too. Yeah, but actually that, I, I, I agree completely. It is kind of a challenge because of course, especially even with the change in the website, 
I mean, you know, it's whereas before, like on our previous website, before we went to sf.gov and we're still on sfgov.org, um, you had a list of all the different, like, you know, you could look up the meeting date and then there was a link to the video, there was a link to the minutes, there was a link to the agenda. Right. As you know, now on our new website, there's not that. It's basically just an agenda page, an agenda page, an agenda page, an agenda page. Yeah. So it's a little bit more harder that way. But even back then, too, going back to what you just um, suggested, you know, you kind of had to remember, well, wait a second, I think this might have been done in April, you know, right. 2015, but it could have been May, so I need to kind of look around those areas, and then you'd look at those areas, and then you'd think, well, wait a second, I remember that this happened actually before this, right. so maybe it's a little bit earlier. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of almost like a treasure hunt, excuse me. So, <laughs> you know, it's, so hopefully that is something that we could do in okay. the future. Think of something. There, there was one other thing that we mentioned. We're not sure. Um, I was talking to Michael about this before, but... We don't have a meeting in December, and so generally December is that quiet period between, but there's a lot of work that's going on in the background administratively for what's happening in 2024. So uh, we're working out how we can actually communicate with one another without violating any open public rules, and yet at the same time be prepared so these meetings and this year is, is prepared and thought out and incorporates not just what we're interested in, but what folks like Patricia who come here regularly would like to hear more about as well too. So I, you know, I hope that we can be, you know, jumpstart 2024 in December. Thank you, that's a good point. And I do wanna talk about December meetings. Um, as far back as I can, I know, and uh, Commissioner Tobin, you could probably, sec you can probably agree with this or let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, we, the commission has never met in December. Um, now, I'm not one to continue to do something just because it's always been done, but you know, there's a lot of factors going into holding meetings in December as well. As, as Commissioner um, Tobin said, you know, there's a lot of administrative things going on in the background in preparation for the meetings. Um, Commissioner Garfinkel, you can tell us how much work we did just to try and do this as well. So I mean, there's, you know, just to do our, our presentation today. Um, in addition to, we also have to look at like um, City Hall and like if the room is available, because, um, you know, one of the things that we do have to adhere to is that we do need to meet in person. So, you know, as far as meeting in December, I don't think we could possibly do so this year, but I mean, I'm open to, to doing it in the future. That, that's, you know, talk amongst yourselves and if it's something that we need to do as an agenda item and talk about I'm definitely open to it but definitely you know we would need to give um, City Hall the scheduling office definitely a little bit more advanced notice to try and schedule especially during that time period but yeah you know I'm, I'm open to it as well so you know it's something definitely we we can have a discussion about okay anyone else have anything to add um, yes. one question will we be doing a like impact report of some kind I know in previous years we do actually an annual um, an annual report, which is actually required of us. Um, and actually, everyone's hitting. I talked about administrative aspects, and little by little, everyone's hitting on these little things that I probably should have added to, but I forgot to mention. But yes, we do do that. Um, and um, I'm actually I never really completed the one from last year, so I need to do the last year one and this one as well. And those will be completed, and those will be shared, and they'll be on our website. So yes, thank you for asking about that. Okay, any other questions or anything? Anyone? Okay, um, seeing none, let's go on to our next um, item under um, this. The second part of this item, excuse me, is the commissioner officer nominations. 
Okay, so first of all, I'd like to start by thanking our current officers, uh, Commissioner Ozenoy, who has served as vice chair, and Commissioner Tobin, who has assisted with our commission secretary duties. Uh, I can't, I've written this down just so I remember, um, but, um, and I didn't get too tongue-tied, but I want to um, explain how much I and all of us appreciate all that you have done, all your hard work. I know this year has been incredibly difficult as far as transition between remote meetings and in-person meetings. I have to admit that it was a little bit more uh, difficult than I thought it would be. Um, it wasn't just um, learning to, having to come back to in-person meetings, it was also relearning new technology. And uh, basically just the big difference between, you know, just being able to meet at home versus, you know, coming down to Civic Center and, and everything involved in, in meeting. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love in-person meetings, but it, there was definitely, it was a little bit more harder to adjust to than I thought it would be. So I want to thank you for your, for your help during that time period and all your hard work during it. Um, and um, again, thank you for all you've done this year. Uh, so now on to next year, um, I'd like to uh, renominate both commissioners again. <laughs> so Commissioner Tobin will assist, continue to assist with secretarial responsibilities. Uh, Commissioner Ozenoy will be vice chair. And I'd like to humbly nominate myself to serve as your commission chairperson again. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's been a really hard year making the transition to in-person meetings, uh, learning technology and having to learn so many other processes that we needed to know in order to continue to hold our meetings. But I feel that um, a lot of that difficult work is now behind us. And I look forward to all the great work I know we can do in the next year. So um, are there any questions before we open up to public comment and then vote on our nominees? Okay, uh, seeing none, um, we can open this up for public comment. Do we have anyone who'd like to make? Okay, please approach the podium. Thank you. I think it's a great idea that we have the presentations now. We didn't have those, you know, when we worked on the, um, all the different issues of the 1990s, it's great. Now that we require the Board of Supervisors, Board of Supervisors is requiring um, the public to come in person now, I was wondering, and I know that this lady here was from, you know, far away, and I know one of the other speakers was from Washington, D.C. or whatever, but could we also maybe have some of the speakers come, you know, that are in the local area? For example, if we called, uh, I know Camilla Fox is in Larkspur, I think, with Project Coyote, or she was in Larkspur. You know, if we could have them come in person. Um, it's just so much more dramatic to see someone speak in person. Um, this, this is great if, if they live far away, but, uh, you know, they have an actual live person here. And um, if someone is monitoring the phone, I, I'm probably the only person on the face of the earth that's still in the dinosaur era, but I just can't, I'm not, I didn't grow up with computers, I don't have a cell phone by choice. And I love the phone because it's easy, it's quick, and it's just so much easier than sending an email, going to a library and sending an email. So someone is regularly following up with the phone calls, right? Someone does monitor the phone calls. Okay. And just lastly, I'd like to say that um, I think it is a, a good idea to meet in December. I mean, I know most people are shopping for Christmas, but nonetheless, you know, losing momentum, if we have canceled meetings, you know, you lose momentum and look at tonight, nobody you know, even calls in. You know, when we're getting into the holidays, so people are changing their frame of mind. 
but nonetheless, um, I think it's very important to keep the momentum up and to meet every single month and maybe try to get some of those city people on board or at least come to meet and talk to us and, you know, say what, you know, um, especially with the live animal markets, we definitely would want the health department here. Okay, thank you. And uh, yeah, just actually uh, to kind of clarify a couple things, um, uh, just concerning remote public comments and, and uh, a couple of other things that, that did come out as part of the mayor's statement um, concerning um, the discontinuation of, of remote public comments. Um, we can still have people present remotely, uh, and that's what we do. Um, we do usually offer uh, our presenters the, the chance to meet in person or to meet remotely. As the commenter pointed out, um, we do, um, you know, some of them are, are far away, but we've also had uh, someone from the zoo who, remember, who, who um, we offered, they could do it remotely or do it in person, and they did, they did present in person. In fact, that was our first in-person meeting. Um, so yeah, so we do offer both choices, but in most cases, or not in most cases, the, some of the most recent cases, it has been um, because we, uh, the people that are presenting are from out of state or from um, further away. Uh, but yes, definitely we agree that having people present in person, that's great. That's a great dynamic to have and we support it. Uh, as far as our, our, voice, our voicemail message, yes, it's monitored as mentioned in the message once a week every Monday and messages are shared with me. I know, for example, that um, recently um, um, my two dogs, Cricket and Ladybug, someone received, <laughs> someone complimented me on the names. That was very appreciated, so thank you. So yes, we do listen to the messages. So please, if anyone does want to call our number and leave a message, yeah, we, we do listen to the messages, so thank you. Okay, um, so um, seeing no more um, speakers in person, let's open up to public comment, um, remote public comment. Uh, members of the public who wish to make a remote public comment on this agenda item should hit star three on their phone right now to be added to the speaker's queue. Okay, currently I do not see anyone um, with their hand up, so we can close um, remote public comments. Okay, uh, so commissioners, we are going to vote for all three nominees as a slate. So when I call your name, please state yes if you're in favor of electing uh, Commissioner uh, Jane Tobin as Secretary, Commissioner Irina Ozenoy as Vice Chair, and Commissioner Michelangelo Torres as Chair. Or say no if you are not in favor. Okay, Commissioner Garfinkel? Um, yes, in favor. <laughs> okay, Commissioner uh, uh, Fargundas? Yes. Okay, Commissioner, uh, sorry, my writing, I should know people's names. Um, Ozenoy, excuse me? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Reed? Yes. Commissioner Tobin? Yes. Okay, and I as well vote yes. So, okay, great. So our commission officers Congrats, are everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to um, all close, of us. What a close race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I look forward to continuing to work with you all in the new year. Okay. So moving on to items uh, to be put on the agenda for future commission meetings. Uh, tonight's meeting is our last meeting for the calendar year. So our next meeting will be on Thursday, January 11th. This meeting will be held in room 408 at City Hall along with remote access. Please reach out to me by the Friday before our January meeting with any proposed agenda items and any supporting documents. For our next meeting, that will be Friday, no, uh, January 5th, excuse me. Um, the agenda and any supporting documents provided by, to the commission by that time will be uploaded to our website at sf.gov forward slash animal commission the Monday evening before the meeting. So for our next meeting, these documents will be available 
on Monday, January 8th. Although we have a few, and as far as um, items, actual items, we have a few tentative agenda items and possible presentations in the work, but we have nothing to announce just yet for our January meeting. Um, we'll be working on that, though, during the break. Um, do any commissioners have any questions or anything else to add? Um, yes, no. Commissioner Reed. You said you monitor those phone messages. I mean, do you forward them to all of the commissioners? Um, no, generally we don't. Um, we no, we don't. Maybe that's something that at some point we can talk about. Maybe doing a little note, but generally a lot of them, to be honest, are are meant for um, for animal care and control. Um, those are usually those information like that is usually forward to them. Okay. But um, and sometimes actually there's a lot of hangups if I remember correctly too. There's a lot of hangups, and there are some folks who, like you said, um, needed to reach ACC, and we've been in contact with ACC. So I, I pick those calls up. So I'm the one that's monitoring the calls, and I do if it is something that's ACC related. Yeah. Um, I will get to the right person there. I don't always know the right person. I start with Amy, and then she can get me to the right person so yeah. but it's, it's oftentimes we're a bit later if it's a situation like a there's a cat roaming around our neighborhood and i need you to come right now so we we do our best to get that person hooked up yeah and uh, just so people understand too um you know i've also too when i've answered some of those calls i also contact the people back and let them know this is the commission i think you want to speak to you know, animal care control, this is the phone number. Um, on our message though, we clearly say that we're gonna, we pick up messages once a week on Monday. And um, to be honest, we also, and we also go through in the message to the prompt, explain to people that this is the commission, not animal care and control. So I think that, that accounts for a lot of the hangups you get. Because yeah. they call us thinking, oh, this is animal care and control, and they realize, you know, it's not. So that's why we get a lot of hangups. So we do get a lot of hangups, so. Well, I just wanted to say, because I volunteer there a couple days a week, if you wanted to forward those to me as well, I could follow up and make sure, sure. what's mm -hmm. the, they are handled. Yeah, it's oftentimes an officer um, situation, like somebody needs right. to report to somebody. So, you know, Amy has a direct too as well, and I'm not sure how often you're you're volunteering. There, I'm there two days a week. Yeah, yeah. So but you know, that, that's great at the minimum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was doing it too, I used to work a lot with um, Dr. O'Neill when she was there, and, and that's because she was also our rep at that time. So again, thank you for your help, hard work with that. I know that it's something sometimes, sometimes another treasure hunt sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Um, any other questions or comments from the commissioners? Okay, um, if there's no further uh, questions or comments, we can adjourn. So okay, thank you to everyone for being part of this evening's meeting. It is now 6.56 p.m. and we are adjourned. Good night, everyone, and we hope you have a great rest of the year, and we'll see you again in January.